Hello everyone and welcome to itsyourseason.life where we are discovering and living life at any age. I'm Lisa Boson. I'm here to introduce you to people like you and me who have rediscovered themselves, stretched their abilities, and to me, kept their light under a bushel basket. I hear their stories and think, wow, that is so cool. These are ordinary people doing the extraordinary. So what are we doing? Well, you know how you'd love to hear your peers succeed, get inspired by those who just try? That's us. That's itsyourseason.life. Don't forget to follow us on our website, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm there sharing weekly updates and, of course, what's in season, be it people, food, feelings, and nature. So let's get started. Well, welcome, everyone, to this episode of the It's Your Season.Life podcast. It is Tuesday, April the 13th, and I have an amazing guest for us today, Claudia Bouvier. She is one of the co-founders of Pastaficio Boulder. She grew up surrounded by incredible artisanal foods and her large Italian family. After moving to the United States from Sao Paulo for her career as a civil engineer, she often dreamed about the fresh pastas of her childhood and the memories of her travels in Italy. Claudia and her husband, Ted, launched Pastaficio Boulder in 2018. And that's how I met them. I actually met them at the Longmont Farmers Market, and I was completely entranced and wanted to stay connected with them forever. So along the way, they've partnered with like-minded farmers committed to growing organic heritage grains, milled their own fresh flour, and experimented with numerous small-scale pasta production and drying techniques. So we are talking about a food product that is truly from the grain to the finished product, from the ground up. And two of Pastaficia Boulder's craft pastas received the 2021 Good Food Awards. So I want to say more, but I also want her to tell her story. So Claudia, I'm just going to let you get going and welcome. And thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Lisa. It's absolutely a pleasure for me to be here. Oh, I'm just, gosh, three years ago, and here we are. I'll just never forget seeing you out the market and going, this is an amazing product, and it, it's going to go to great heights. So I just want you to let, get going. How did Pastiofficio Boulder come into being? How did, how did you get here? So it has been quite a long journey. Um, you know, I did, as you mentioned, um, I had a career in a different field, but food has always been part of my life. You know, maybe the Italian heritage and just the appreciation of uh, good and as I normally call real food. And, um, you know, having children, it, it makes you really think about what you're putting in your body. And uh, we see so many heartbreaking issues in our country and all over the world with food and how we are nurturing ourselves and our bodies and the sustainability aspect. So, um, you know, to make this long story short, Ted has been the one with uh, the food background. He did launch a microbrewery 25 years ago and his entire career has been in the food industry. While I had my civil engineering and construction management career, he was always kind of talking about, as, about food as a business. So what happened was um, 
2017, I decided um, to go back to school and I was um, pursuing a master's of engineering in all things. And uh, CU Boulder has a incubator program called Catalyze. And um, I thought like, you know, has always been in my mind this idea of that romantic view of the pasta shop. Like you go to Italy, every single town has that little pasta shop where they make fresh pasta. And we do not have this in America. At that point, fresh pasta was something in a container in the refrigeration section of the grocery store, super thick, super full of things that you're not supposed to eat. And the shelf life was, let's say, I guess it's about four weeks. And so far from that experience of buying fresh pasta, in Italy that they make in the morning and then you just grab, you know, in the afternoon and you make dinner or just making pasta uh, by yourself. So I was like, you know, maybe this idea I'll apply. Turns out in a world that uh, Catalyze was mostly um, tech companies applying and a lot of males and a different world, I was accepted. The only thing that they asked was for me to have more people working with me, for me not to just go through the process by myself. It turns out that I got three other female engineers to be part of that program with me. Then finished that. It was two months of intensive thinking about this possibility. Um, I ended up going to Italy for research for a month. Yeah. I came back and I was like, you know, it is possible to put something together that is much more than just pasta. Something that is better for our bodies, that brings community together and something very um, unusual, you know, that really it's hard to find in America. And uh, that was the first you know, seed that Pasta Ficio, um, you know, came from that. We have evolved quite a lot in the past three years, but that was the very beginning. That, and I want to hear more, and I'm going to ask more, because there are many things that make your pasta different. Um, and some things that our audience doesn't know about the area, about what kind of a food incubator area this is in northern Colorado. Uh, you also partner with a lot of other people to make this happen. So tell us, take a little bit deeper dive into what makes your pasta so different than than just what we think of. As like you said, just the white, soft noodles. You don't even do noodles. So I want to hear more. Let's take a deep <laughs> dive into what, what goes on with that pasta from the so, ground, ground upwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, there is so much, you know, I think um, one of the first brainstorming sessions that we had, you know, Ted and I, at some point we decided to work together. It wasn't only my business. At some point I was like, okay, you are the person with the food um, expertise here. So let's do it together. And uh, we are completely different in many aspects. But one thing that we share is our love for Mother Earth and nature. And um, 
when we first started talking about this, um, one thing that was really, really important to us was a pasta that is good and checking many different boxes. So basically food that we want to feed our children. For a long time, and especially when the girls were born, they, they are now 11 and 13, a big focus was uh, to nurture them eating real food and as correct in every sense that we could think of. You know, as you think about organic, then you think about who is growing, is it fair uh, for everyone along the chain? Is it as local as possible? Because then we are uh, being more sustainable. So all those different boxes, you know, in terms of pasta, is it whole grain is better for your body. So we had this whole list of what are the things that we wish this pasta could be. So to go back a little bit, you know, most of the pasta that we find um, at the stores uh, they are either made uh, out of white flour, which is basically, if you get the grain of wheat, there are three different parts. Um, and uh, the part that is the white, it's called endosperm. It's where you find most of the starches. And then you have the bran and, you know, all those different parts, they have different um, either nutrients or fiber. So when we talked about the whole grain, we really wanted to use the entire grain of wheat, which, you know, if you're thinking when you plant that little seed, it's the life that is going to generate a plant. So it's what we should be eating, not just the white part, not just the endosperm. So what we wanted to do, it was a whole grain pasta coming from organic wheat berries that could be grown as um, locally as possible. We ended up discovering this whole world of heritage and ancient varieties of wheat. And what are those? Basically, at some point, there was something called Green Revolution when um, America especially decided that we needed to grow more food to support the growth that was happening in our population. And different types of plants were bred over and over and over and over again. It's called over hybridizing in a way that the focus was based on the yield of those plants. It wasn't on flavor, was it on nutrition, was just a lot of yield so we could feed the world. In that process, we lost um, many different parts of farming, which is, um, you know, you want flavor in your food. You want food that is nutrient dense because then you can support your body in better ways, not just, you know, empty calories. Um, there is the part of sustainability, you know, green, rev green revolution means that a lot of inputs were put on our fields, meaning pesticides, herbicides, and we all know the story. So we wanted to go back to pre-green revolution wheat, not the modern wheat 
as we know right now. So when you really look at the wheat uh, varieties, there are those plants that have been grown by humanity for, you know, a long, long, long time. And those are the ancient varieties. You know, if you think about durum, if you think about um, einkorn, those are the more ancient varieties of wheat. Then we have some called heritage, which are, they have been uh, naturally bred. It's not a pure line, lineage, but they, they have been naturally evolved with, you know, nature, not man kind of hybridizing that. So what happens that when we use those kinds of weeds, they are more nutrient dense and they have way more flavor. You know, weeds like uh, Blue Amor or Turkey Red, they are unique. They have different flavor profiles. You know, you can trace a lot of parallels with wine. You know, there are different grapes, right? And mm -hmm. they come with different fun wines. And with wheat is the same thing. But it's something that we came to not think about. You know, um, years ago, you would go to the grocery store. You would just grab a bag of white flour. It doesn't have any flavor. It's dead powder. It lasts forever. So we are trying to revive this wheat um, in the world. I'm talking so much about this because I feel that is really, really the basis of what we do. You know, it comes from the inspiration in the wheat and nature. So basically what we do is we source those grains. We try to get them as close to us, grown as close to us as possible. Absolutely no question that it needs to be organic. We get the wheat berries. The majority of our flour is freshly milled by us. So we get the berry, we fresh meal, that flour that is all full of life, then is blend, blended with artesian water, Colorado water, and uh, we convert that into pasta. There's more to the process, but maybe for now, that's what makes our pasta different from other pastas. Oh, it is just fascinating on the whole development of this, and then the partnerships that you have built with uh, the growers in the Colorado food chain. Is that grain chain? Colorado grain chain, I think is what it's called. Yes. Is that correct? Um, yes. Yes, Colorado grain chain. Yeah, and I was reading that Aspen Moon Farms will be raising some grain specifically for you. I don't know if raising is the right word, growing. Growing, um, yes. yeah. That, I mean, it's just exciting. And because you're right, we have we lost a lot of that during that grain revolution, and the white flour is certainly more stable than whole wheat flour and uh, and whole grain and um and it's good to see that that is coming back, and it is so local. I know a lot of my friends don't realize that uh, you know Colorado had had its had its grain time with um, grains in the past and growing barley and and wheat in the plains. So I I love that that is uh, for lack of a better word being resurrected and being valued 
um, for the nutrition and also just for the agricultural historical perspective as well. So yeah, there is more to this and it was great to take the tour and, and see the facility and see how this works. So choices between you do all shapes, is that correct? Tell us about the shapes and how, why the shapes are different than say, you know, what we think of as uh, pastas, noodles. So t- tell us a little bit more about that, Claudia. Yes, that is such a fun part of what we do. You know, um, there is a whole world of pasta out there. And uh, I think just thinking about the traditions and the Italian care and craft. And, you know, pasta is so associated with the Italian way of living. You know, I grew up in Sao Paulo, but in an Italian family, you know, my four grandparents were born in Italy. And pasta is pretty much on our plates on a daily basis. So when you eat that much pasta, you need to create different um, varieties of shapes and sauce applications, and you you need to make it fun. So just knowing that You know, I read something a long time ago that there are more than 360 types of pastas in Italy. You know, to be honest with you, I'm sure there are way more than that because sometimes one shape that is called fettuccine in one region, it's called tagliatelle in another region because it's cut by knife, by hand. So, you know, there are a lot of uh, uh, different little tweaks here and there. But just, um, you know, experiencing um, the Italian family growing up and traveling um, around Italy and just, you know, looking at menus and going to grocery stores and markets and seeing so many different pastas that, you know, we don't see here. Most of the time, you know, like rigatoni, penne, fusilli, and that's the variety. And there's a whole world out there. So, um, you know, the shapes, they come from a specific piece of equipment called uh, a die. It's um, basically, it's a, it's a bronze. We use bronze and most artisanal pasta crafters um, also prefer to use the bronze. So it's a piece of equipment that you attach to the extruder. Extruder is the machine that produces pasta. And it has perforations um, in, in this plate. And as you are pushing the dough through that die, um, depending on how those perforations were designed, you're going to have a different shape. So in the very beginning, when we were picking uh, different shapes we wanted in our production, Ted is like, we need to have macaroni, we have to have rigatoni. I was like, no, 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 no. Let's get, you know, Casareggi and Gaganelli. And he's like, but people can't even pronounce that. I was like, yeah, that's the fun of it. So we kind of compromised and half of our shapes were the most traditional and half were the more different. And it does seem that these days people are really excited about um, working with food and having something that it is still in their comfort zone, right? Because mm-hmm. pasta, you know, everyone knows and love 
most of people love pasta, but it has a little, little tweak to this that has um, a different shape. So, you know, over time we decided to add more of those fun shapes and it added such a fun layer to our business because people are really curious and interested. And, you know, we do have our little pasta shop and we go to farmer's market and just pronouncing those different names is a reason to laugh. You know, people come to us and it's like, uh, and it's like, yeah, Gaganelli. And they're like, yeah, Gaganelli. So there's the whole conversation about that. So, yes, it's how we decided to um, bring those fun shapes to our community. Oh, I think it's wonderful to expose us to expose us to the shapes because then it makes your food so much more interesting. Um, I, 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 I chose some others, but for my cookbook, I did the pumpkin pasta because it was fall. And I thought, well, I got pumpkin. Someone gave me some pumpkins. And the pumpkin pastas were so cute. I had to use them because I was like, I've never seen pumpkin pasta. I don't know what the, it is in <laughs> Italian, but I'm going to call it pumpkin. Just charming. It just made the dish interesting and charming. And and also, um, uh, this, I may have to cut this out, Claudia, but, you know, it's a different way of eating as well. You're kind of not just looping the, the strands around a fork. You're picking and choosing and enjoying this little bit of interesting shape to eat mm-hmm. as well. Plus, it has a little bit different uh, texture because it is whole grain, and you're going to get a whole different mouthfeel as well. So I like yes. having a mini vacation with your food and uh, <laughs> and it, you, you learn something and have some fun with it. And so I want to take a step back for just a moment, just for the audience on the bronze cut, um, just to help them picture in their mind. It's kind of like a big electronic cookie press almost because it extrudes it out and then the electronic piece cuts it and if the audience wants to have some fun I highly recommend going out to Instagram and finding you on Instagram and watching the process it is absolutely mesmerizing watching the pasta extrude out and it cuts it and it's just it's it is that's the magical piece I think Claudia Um, It is, you know, it is um, going back to the shapes, you know, they they do as as fun as we think about them. They do have a history, right? Because they developed in Italy, they created those shapes to go with um, different sauces and have different absorptions and also to uh, be seasonal in a way like you were talking about that pumpkin-shaped pasta. Um, that one is called zucca, and it's one that is the most favorite kind of pasta in the fall because it's basically a little cup, a little vessel that you can um, work with thicker and more hearty sauces. So it does go with seasonality and functionality too. So it, it is really um, interesting to see, you know, the so many layers that go into not only the shape, but why it's done like that and the story of pasta. 
And you chose the the bronze die cut for a specific reason. What does that do for um, kind of the relationship between the sauce and the pasta? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's an awesome question. I was hoping that you would <laughs> figure out how to ask that question. Yes, uh, because you probably, you know, you go to the grocery store and you look at the packages and quite often you see bronze cut or bronze extruded dyes. So the thing is, um, that the dye is where the dough um, touches the equipment. And there are two different kinds of dyes. There are Teflon dyes and there are bronze dyes. The bronze dyes are much more expensive and they are harder to work with. But at the same time, once the dough passes through that bronze dye uh, perforation, it creates on the surface of the pasta more uh, texture, more porosity, which means that once that pasta dries, the surface is going to be basically optimum to absorb your sauce. It's not that slippery surface that sometimes we find um, in mass-produced pasta. The Teflon dye, and this is my opinion, you know, Teflon is already um, very controversial in terms of leaking chemicals into our food. It does have um, a benefit in production that it's slippery and it's easy to work with, it's cheaper and it lasts forever. So for big manufacturing, it is really good, right? Because you're optimizing your production. But at the same time, you're compromising so much on your pasta that in our way of seeing and most artisanal companies, it's absolutely a no-no on using um, a Teflon dye. So that's why we use the bronze dyes. I, I, I honestly didn't know that until I, I took your, you came to visit you and you gave me the tour and I was like, that. <laughs> that that's amazing and it works it absolutely works i do have a, another question for you what what are some of your top sellers what what uh, kind of what are things that tend to go fast for your yes you know it, it is so fun to think about this um as i said you know like this idea of seasonality um and what we find is people really choose their shapes based on the season. Oh, okay. So last fall, the Zuka was off the charts mm-hmm. in terms of best seller. Mm-hmm. Then now in the spring, Fusili has been a pretty um, amazing seller and the Casarecci. So they are, you know, in our best seller kind mm-hmm. of list. There are some that they are always there and um, you know my way of seeing is it's so good and sometimes you just need a bowl of rigatoni so rigatoni <laughs> has been <laughs> you know it doesn't matter where rigatoni has been there mm-hmm. um, but we do craft i think at this point we are playing with about 18 different shapes wow wow really you know alive and kind of have fun with it but there are six uh, that are our main, you know, shapes that we always have. 
And, and guests can find you at Whole Foods. You've expanded into Whole Foods in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And order online. What else? What's uh... So, um, you know, we are at um, pretty much all the Whole Foods in the what they call Rocky Mountain region, mm-hmm. which is Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, <gasps> Nebraska. Wow! Wow! <laughs> are you in Texas? <laughs> we are at we are at in uh, one Texas Whole Foods in El Paso, just one. Oh, that's For some exciting! Reason, that's part of Rocky Mountain region. Interesting. But, yeah, so thirty-three okay. Whole Foods, mm-hmm. and uh, we do have quite a good um, presence in the Front Range. You know, we really love to work with uh, small, independently owned stores. So there's Moxie that we love and we partner with them a lot. We also um, have our pastas at some small like wine shops or, um, you know, the, the part that I love the most is, and it was since the very, very, very beginning. We try to work with local farmers as much as we can, you know, buying their grains and uh, buying their produce for our sauces and the beauty of it is most of our local farmers they offer those csas you know community agriculture Mm -hmm. and they have their farm stands especially you know in the past year so what happens is quite often we buy their either wheat or produce we make the pasta which is minimally processed, and then we sell that pasta back to them so they can either include as a CSA add-on or to sell in their farm stands. Ah, so, yeah, brilliant. So, we are working with, uh, I think at this point, about 10, 12 farmers around mm-hmm. Colorado, and they resell our pastas. Oh, wonderful. So lots of ways to find you, including we can order online or be part of the Pasta of the Month Club, I think. Is is that correct, what you have on the website yes, as well? We do. We have on our website. Um, for those that are not in Boulder, uh, we just sell the dry pastas that we can ship. Um, and for whoever is, you know, very local, we have something called Pasta Club. Mm-hmm. And the Pasta Club is basically a membership that you can basically either uh, sign up for the entire month or three weeks or two weeks or, you know, whenever. We are mm-hmm. super flexible. So people come to our shop every week and they get a um, pound of fresh pasta that we made, you know, in the morning and um, a pound or four servings of freshly made sauces that they can um, easily cook at home. So that's our pasta club. So I'm hearing that that initial, that initial vision of what you had of romanticizing Italy, you, you did bring it back full circle of being able to offer the sauces and also the fresh pastas as well through the pasta club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had another... Um, an award, I think, with Food 52 recently. Tell us about that. So the the awards that we got, they came from um, the Good Food Foundation. 
So that was um, earlier this year. And the Good Food Foundation is uh, based in San Francisco. And they have been around for quite a long time. So every year they receive applications from a lot of crafters all over the country and in different categories. And they do have a pretty complex um, vetting process. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they, they not only see your product in terms of uh, the taste, the texture, the qualities in the product. They focus on the entire chain uh, to make that product, you know, um, where you source and how you source and who works for you and what you believe in. And, you know, they start with, is this product good and tastes good? And then mm -hmm. they go really deep into how it's made. And it's a very um, holistic approach. So we actually this year won two awards, you know, mm -hmm. two of our pastas. It was uh, the Rigatoni and the Gaganyali. So that was the award. Last week, we uh, launched a collaboration with Food52, mm -hmm. which is a company based in New York City. And, uh, you know, it is a really incredible, um, I think it's called a network. You know, they are a website that has like a Bible of recipes uh -huh. and ingredients, and they have a shop and a pantry. It was founded, I believe, about 13, 15 years ago um, by Amanda Hasser, and she was really famous um, writer at the New York Times a food writer. Mm -hmm. So she just created this amazing food hub online and uh, they are pretty selective on the brands that they sell. And uh, it was pretty amazing that they, you know, wanted to have our pastas there. So that was the Food 52 collaboration. Oh, I just think that that's an incredible validation of the quality of what the, the product that you all have. Uh, it's everybody knows it's amazing, but when you get these awards, especially Food Fifty Two and and the Good Food Award, that it, it really it it does validate, in my opinion, that the, just the wonderful quality and the work that you all have put into this. I, I have a couple other questions for you. Um, what do you particularly love about what you're doing now? You know, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> that but I thought I'd ask. Yeah, it's not bad right you really love what you do but uh, you know there are different parts of the business um, that I love and uh, if I could you know rate them I think the first and top one is um, the ability to um, create a business based on what we truly believe in. Mm -hmm. So I think as you know, there's so much of this term out there, you know, um, mission led business or mission driven business. Mm -hmm. um, Pastificio is that, you know, we are on a mission and our mission is much bigger than pasta. Mm -hmm. We want to play a role in changing the current food system. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. pasta is the way, you know, is the form that we chose to make that happen. 
Um, so that that is what drives us, you know, like, as you mentioned, this collaboration with Aspen Moon Farm, they have been our very first source of heritage grains in Boulder, you know, year one. Mm -hmm. They were the first people to sell us the wheat. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a wheat that they were growing and they were also part of this movement of bringing it back. You know, mm -hmm. we were always starting mm -hmm. and uh, it evolved. And yesterday, Ted went to the fields. It was already getting cold. Mm -hmm. And it was like 6 p.m. And he's like, um, Jason is going to plant our seeds. Oh. I'm going there. <laughs> so he went and, uh, you know, took pictures and came back home just, you know, glowing. Mm -hmm. Because it is so powerful to, one, collaborate with mm -hmm. a partner like that, you know, a farmer that we deeply respect, that really knows the land and uses you know, organic and uh, biodynamic practices and grows amazing vegetable f around vegetables and, you know, grains around us. And they are 10 miles from, you know, our company. And for us to be able to buy the seeds that we needed and go to him and say, can we grow this together? And it's like, let's do it. It's a true partnership. And to be part of that process. And it is just, you know, um, it, it's so powerful to us. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the parts of Pastifitio that we both love. And, you know, being our community, right? And having people come to us, it's like, I, I, I love your pasta, you know, like people... Um, they are interested about all those boxes that we are checking. Mm -hmm. But the one thing up there that there's no question that the pasta needs to be is delicious. Mm -hmm. And that is something that, you know, we are so proud of it. You know, it is delicious pasta, but there's so much behind it. Yeah, so many things. Yeah, so I, the, I forgot to ask you how and is there Pastaficio? How how did you come up with the name? Was that a creative moment, or is there meaning behind it, or a word blend? How did how did Pastaficio, the name itself, come into being? Yes, it's such a funny story. You know, um, it, it goes back to Italian roots. You know, growing up hearing those Italian words, speaking Portuguese, but having so much of the Italian words in your life. Mm -hmm. So basically, traditionally, in Italy, pastificio means pasta company. Mm. That is oh. what it means. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is the traditional way of doing is Pastificio and the last name of the family. Ah, so, okay. Pastificio Menini or Pastificio Guerra or Pastificio and the name of the family. It turns out that my, my four grandparents were born in Italy, but the one that gave me my last name was born in um, the outskirts of Torino mm -hmm. in Piemonte. Mm -hmm. And it's a region with a lot of French-speaking people. Mm -hmm. 
and his last name and mine is Bouvier, which mm -hmm. is French. Mm -hmm. So how could I possibly have Pastevicio and a French last name? So that was out. And, um, you know, the company started as Pastevicio only, but it needed something else. And Boulder, as you mentioned, has such a good history of um, the natural foods movement. Mm -hmm. And people across the country kind of know Boulder as, you know, it's a beautiful place for, you know, living outdoors and good food and natural food and organic and sustainability. So it felt so natural to have Pastificio Boulder in our name. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So what is one thing about your business uh, that you didn't expect? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it does have uh, so many different parts and uh, we we work really hard you know it mm -hmm. is um, it is hard work and uh, we did want to start the business in a very um, organic small and um, you know, there's this mentality, and it's um, it's actually a philosophy, and it's applied to most um, tech companies. It's called um, a methodology called Lean Startup. Mm -hmm. And since I came from CU and Catalyze, I kind of got that methodology, and I wanted to apply to. Um, a food business. Mm -hmm. The idea is just you you try to do your product small in a small scale and you put out there, you talk to your consumers, you get feedback and you adjust, you iterate in a better way and you put it back and you mm -hmm. keep doing that a zillion times. Mm -hmm. So that's super easy to do with a software, right? Because you just put it there and get people to give you feedback. With food is a bit trickier. So um, when we first started our first um, business channel, I would say, was the Boulder Farmers Market at the food court. Mm -hmm. So basically every week, or at some point it became every couple of days because we were doing the Wednesdays and the Saturday markets. Mm -hmm. And as we were in the food court, we could produce a specific blend of flowers and transform into pasta and then go to our little food booth, prepare the pasta mm. in different ways mm -hmm. and give a bowl to people and then ask them, tell me, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, my, my role was basically to go around and talk to people and ask for feedback. Mm -hmm. That was an invaluable way of uh, developing our product. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, like no one was making any heritage, whole grain, fresh milled flour pasta. And we had recipes that were like 100% whole grain, 100% blue water. That's really not delicious pasta. But we put out there and we got feedback mm -hmm. and uh, in Boulder, right, people are open to talking. They have this entrepreneurial kind of understanding and they are mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the best things and the hardest things that we did. 
So um, as I look back, it's like how crazy for us to be, you know, iterating in that way and going there and bringing a meeting restaurant back and forth every couple of days to the uh, farmer's market. But, you know, it is um, how we got to develop our recipes and mm -hmm. to kind of um, find a way of creating pasta that is delicious, it, it is whole grain, we are using those different weeds and it has all those qualities that we were dreaming for. It is delicious. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I just have to give you my, you know, <laughs> you're getting lots of stamps of approval, but it is delicious. And it is just like being able to, you know, I do romanticize this area. It's very easy for me to close my eyes and say, I'm going to pretend like I'm in France today, or I'm going to go to the market in Italy because we have so many markets and there's so many great, uh, agricultural CSAs and, uh, market gardens we have so much here and it's so fresh and and that just complements your pasta even more it's just mm -hmm. it is really just amazing what you all are doing i i have another two more questions for you um before we wrap up what is your favorite how what is your favorite way to appreciate your pasta how do you enjoy it the most on a personal level mm -hmm. um so I think because we are using those um, unique wheats that have, they do have flavor. You know, it's something that I often uh, hear from our mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. that um, they eat our pastas. And because of the wheats and because of having the whole grain and all those different ways, the techniques that we use, you know, the slow drying and the bronze, bronze dyes, it, it is actually pasta with flavor. It's not mm. a sauce carrier. Mm -hmm. um, so I do tend to feel that the simpler is better. Mm -hmm. you no, know, like there is something in Italian um, culinary language called cucina povera which is peasants cooking, which is basically make the most out of the few amazing ingredients that you have. Mm -hmm. So quite often, you know, when I'm taste testing pasta, the way of doing is basically um, cook it correctly, you know, mm -hmm. plenty of water, plenty of salt, uh, the correct timing, you need del dente, but just a drizzle of olive oil mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit of parmigiano mm -hmm. and that's it. Then you can really, really taste and say, you know, oh my God, it's pretty good. Um, and, you know, if we want to go a step further is during farming season here and just talking to the farmers and it's like, what do you have that is growing the best and is the most seasonal? Like, for example, this week we are buying um, spring garlic mm -hmm. from a little farmer that I absolutely love. And then he's like, Claudia, I have green garlic coming. Can you do something about it? And uh, I was like, okay, green garlic pesto. Mm -hmm. So it's simple, just a few mm -hmm. ingredients, mm -hmm. but it's at its peak of flavor and, mm -hmm. you know, just delicious food. Oh, so I just picked up some 
fresh harvested asparagus from one of my farmers oh, okay. and some sugar pe- some sugar peas um, that that are early but that they're coming I, I, I know what we're having for dinner tonight <laughs> oh it's just happened. oh gosh oh, yeah. all right yeah. so this Thanks. has just been a wonderful conversation about you, you and your business and um, just how it's just blossomed over the last three years what is something you want to be sure and leave our guests with today maybe I didn't ask the right question or maybe as we've worked through this there's something you want to be sure and let our guests know I think it goes um, pretty close to our hearts that is um, I think we should think more about our food you know I think um, it's it's there are so many different layers to food and um, you know, as I, as I look at our journey and the different aspects that we also have been learning, you know, like I do see food as joy, you know, as uh, a way of you uh, to make yourself happy mm-hmm. and connecting with people, you know, if you close your eyes and just think about spring and summer, um, my mind goes into the alfresco dinners with my family and friends. You know, we are all seeking so much connection these days. So food as a way of making you happy, but also um, as a way of making you feel good. You know, if you put in your body food that is uh, supposed to nurture you in terms of, uh, you know, health, it's another good part of food and then if you think about the story that is behind uh, what's on your plate who grew it and uh, is it um, you know being good to our environment is it damaging or is it um, being grown by a farmer that knows um, a way of regenerating the land so i think if i could leave a little little uh, thing um, out of this conversation is um, just think more about the food that you are buying and putting in your bodies and sharing with your family. Oh, that's just, that's a wonderful thing to leave us with. Thank you so much. So for our guests today, I'll be including um, the website and ways to find Pastificio Boulder, all the links into the uh content area but how would how do you how would you like claudia how would you like our guests to stay connected with you and find you find find pastificio boulder yes i think um the website has um a lot of information you know very specifics on everything Uh um and instagram because i do write basically daily and i put videos pictures Mm -hmm. yes and uh, you know um if you go to the website and you want to talk just either get the email address or the phone which is mine it comes directly to me Uh and you know just call or email and um you know i i love to talk and um i'm always available for a good food conversation 
So again, you can find Pastaficio product, Pastaficio Boulder products at uh, Rocky Mountain Regional Whole Foods online. And if you are in the Boulder area, from my personal experience, it's a definite, this is a place to go and visit and just learn to appreciate more about uh, the regional food and this wonderful product that the um, Claudia and Ted have uh, created for us. So thank you so much, Claudia, for joining me today. This was just wonderful. It has been my pleasure, Lisa. Thank you for the invitation. You know, oh. it has uh, been such a blessing to get to know you. It is my pleasure and honor. Thank you. So that's a wrap for today. We have so enjoyed you being with us. I hope you learned something new, got some inspiration, and you are ready to move forward with your own new season. Remember, we are living life at any age. Take some time to visit the other social media sites. Give us some feedback. Shoot me an email on Facebook. And remember, until then, stay safe and keep on living. Cheers.